Isn't this beautiful this morning? You may be seated. God bless you. To all of our guests, I want to say thank you for coming to worship with us. You could have went anywhere today, but you chose here. I met people this morning that I haven't seen in a long time. And uh, I'm so glad you came home. I see wonderful friends, people whom I love so deeply and have known through the years. Tim Guest and his wife came through and she said, introduce me to a young man that's taller than me. She said, you dedicated him to the Lord. My, my, my. It's a long time ago. I've dedicated a lot to the Lord, a lot of kids. But I'm glad you're here. All of you, God bless you today. It's Easter Sunday morning. What better day to praise and worship the Lord Jesus. Thank you, musicians, and thank you, singers. Incredible job this morning. Incredible job leading us to the Lord. We don't have anything fancy today. We're just going to have church. God's going to talk to us here for just a little while. I, uh, I met all kind of folks this morning. I wanted to say this. Probably the one that gets the trophy for coming the farthest today is Matt's brother all the way from Oregon. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for coming today. Honor to have you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. When you travel from Oregon, I know he just came to church today. And, uh, but I'm, I'm so glad he made his way down and, uh, to Louisiana. And I warned him. I said, sir, have you been here before? He said, a couple of times. I said, well, let me just tell you, you got to be careful because you get this Louisiana mud between your toes and you won't ever go back to Oregon. Amen. Well, I believe that whether you do or not. Amen. Amen, especially the gumbo kind, especially that gumbo kind. Could we just relax for a few minutes here and let me, you know, there's really nothing new to tell you about Easter except that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. So I'm not here to tell you a new story. I'm here to remind you of an old story, to tell you that he is still alive he is not dead. He is alive today. Aren't you glad you're serving a God that is alive today? I'm glad I don't pray to an idol of stone or an idol of wood or some other kind of idol of God, of a God that's dead. But I'm, I'm praying today to a God that hears and answers and knows exactly who we are. Amen. I read the story of a preacher that got up and said on Easter Sunday morning that the leadership committee got together and they were looking for a preacher, a special speaker for Easter. So one said, well, why don't we call the best preacher in the world and ask him? And, uh, and they did, and he said, no, he couldn't be there. And so one of them said, well, why don't you have the best speaker at least we can get the smartest one. And so they called him, and he said no. And then they said, well, why don't you just call, if you can't get the best and you can't get the smartest, why don't you just call the best looking? And they called him, and he said no. And so finally one said, well, 
we could always ask our pastor, and uh, they called me, and I'd already denied them three times, so I said, okay. Amen. Now, y'all smile a while. It'll make you feel better. There was a story in Dear Abby years ago. I don't know if Dear Abby still exists, but it was years ago in response to someone's question about a young man from a wealthy family who was about to graduate from high school. And it was the custom in that affluent neighborhood for the parents to give the graduate an automobile. And, and Beale and his father the graduate Beale and his father had spent months looking at cars and the week before graduation they found what they termed as the perfect car. And on the eve of his graduation, his father handed him a gift, wrapped Bible. And Beale was so angry that he had just gotten a Bible that he threw the Bible down and he stormed out of the house. He and his father never saw one another again. It was the news of his father's death that brought Bill back home again. And as he sat one night going through his deceased father's possessions that he was to inherit, he comes across the Bible his father had given him. He brushed away the dust, opened it to find a cashier's check, dated the day of his graduation in the very exact amount of the car that they had chosen together. And so when you read that story, you cannot help but wonder how many people in this world have done the exact same thing to God, literally tossing aside the promises of God because they did not understand it. They didn't believe that it was possible. You see, in our world, we are taught that if it sounds good or too good to be true, it probably is. My dad always told me that. So we, many of us have taken, been taken by the empty promises of our world. And they, we are leery of anything that anybody tells us that really sounds too good to be true. The world just really doesn't work that way. But you know what? God does work that way. He has never made a promise that, he, that was too good to be true. He has fulfilled the word of God. The Bible said, let God be truth and every man be a liar. And the promises of God are yea and amen. Somebody shout amen. So the truth of the matter is the world is full of empty promises. When I thought about this this week, I, uh, you know, you, you watch the TV or listen to the radio or whatever you do, and the advertisements tell us that we can be happy, we can be sexy, we can be rich, we can be famous. All we have to do is purchase this particular product. I love the ones that tell you you can lose weight and never quit eating what you like. That, my friends, is a lie. 
I am a, an, a living example that does not exist. But God's different. Instead of promises full of emptiness on Easter, he gives us emptiness that is full of promise on Easter. What God said will come to pass. This morning, very quickly, let me take you to the word of the Lord. And I want you to think about the promises that this day, Easter, has for us. There are three of them that I want to touch on today. And and they are promises that we need to make sure we understand. Because each promise is marked by something empty. Listen to me right now. An empty cross. Everybody say an empty cross. An empty tomb. And an empty burial clothes. Those three things I want to talk about today. But you see, if you go back to that first Easter Sunday morning, it's very early in the morning. It's dawn. The sun has not risen. Brother Chase mentioned it a few minutes ago. A few of Jesus' followers, women, were going to the tomb where he was buried. And they, they'd been walking, if you go measure it, about a half an hour. And the conversation is subdued. And the task before them is a very sad one because they had lost their leader. They had lost their miracle worker. And as you look upon them, they look to the right. I've been there, I know. Just outside the city stands a gruesome reminder of the events of a couple of days ago, just a few hours ago. And you can see it if you look to the right over there silhouetted against the glow of a pink sky on top of a hill called Golgotha, the place of a skull. There's three empty crosses, but notice that one in the middle. That's the one I want you to see this morning because that one stands for more than what I can convey to you on this Sunday morning, that empty cross, that cross where there was bloodshed, that cross where there was much pain applied to the body of Jesus Christ, that cross where his feet were nailed to the bottom of that cross and his hands were stretched wide and he was nailed to that cross. The stains on the end of the cross bar, they came that from blood that was soaked into the wood. The blood from his back stained the, the vertical part of that cross and the blood where Roman soldiers beat him with a cat of nine tails. I could go through all the gory scenes of Calvary. But let it be sufficient to say that everything that he did that day on that cross was so that you and I could have victory in our lives. The cross is empty, and I thank God for that. The cross is empty because he's not there anymore. The cross, let me tell you what the cross was. The cross was to pay your debt and to pay my debt. It's like Jesus going to pay off your mortgage. The things that you owe, the things that you should receive, he took it all upon himself. He walked up Golgotha's hill and nailed every discrepancy in your life to a cross. He nailed every sin that you've ever done to a cross. He 
took everything all of us have every ever done wrong and he put it on the cross and thank God today he does not exist there anymore the cross is empty Say it with me, the cross is empty. See, Jesus really did die, and the cross really is for you and I. But today, there's nobody on that cross because he paid my debt. He took my sin. He paid my price. He bought me with his own blood, and today that cross has nobody on it. The promise of an empty cross is that you and I stand here on this Sunday morning rejoicing over the risen Savior, but we stand here forgiven because of the cross. Forgiven because of the cross. Look, I don't know how you believe it, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the world's fastest forgiver. I believe he forgives before man can even think about forgiving. He forgives before you can forgive yourself. He forgives when you don't know how to forgive. When you say, I'm sorry, the Lord says, okay, I'll take my blood and I'll just wipe that off your slate. And guess what? He said it's going to be forever gone. I'm not going to bring it back up. I'm going to wash it out of your life. You don't have to worry about it another day. Everything you've ever done, I'm going to forgive you right now. That's the power of that cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a word we don't like, but it's a word that exists. It's called sin. It's a word that's not popular and even not politically correct. But the simple fact is that we've all sinned. The simple fact is that nobody here is without sin. The Bible said we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you say amen? So we're, we're, we're aware today that we've got problems. We, we, the way, you go read the scripture. You know what the Bible said? The cost, the wages of sin is death. The wages you have to pay. If you had to pay that yourself, you would have to die. That's why he died. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go die for David Bolin. I'm going to go die for Freddie. I'm going to die for John. I'm going to die for every one, of, every one of us in this room today. And when he said that, he did that, and he forgave us and shed blood for us, and we stand forgiven because of an empty cross. Amen. Let me show you something else that was empty, an empty tomb. See, they, they put him in a barred tomb and they put Roman soldiers to guard him because they didn't want anybody stealing his body. They rolled about a 2,000-pound stone in front of that tomb and they sealed it to make sure that nobody got the body. You with me? They wanted to be sure that what he had prophesied did not come to pass. They didn't want a dead man walking. They didn't want him to get out. Let me tell you, <laughs> the devil, he was on his best maneuver shot. And he gave it his best shot. But could you hear this pastor on this Sunday morning? If he had to do it all over again, he would have never sent him to a cross. And he would have never put him in a tomb because when he was in that tomb, 
the body died and the body was wrapped in grave clothes and the body was laid in a barred tomb. But the Bible said while that body was there that God went to the spirits in prison and he started releasing people and he started doing miracles, things that nobody else could do. I won't go into that today. I could preach about that for an hour. Believe me, I could. But here's what I will tell you. That three days later when the Spirit of God came back into that body, that body woke up. And it didn't matter if it was a 2,000-pound stone. It didn't matter how many Roman soldiers lay outside sleeping on the ground guarding the, the, the tomb. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't even an object to God because let me tell you, what happened was, was when those ladies got there, there was an earthquake and the stone was rolled away and angels were sitting there waiting on them that morning and said, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He's not in this tomb anymore. Could I preach to somebody on this day that the empty tomb gives us power of resurrection and the reason we're going to get out of here and the reason we're going to go to be with him because Paul picked up his pens in Romans chapter 8 and he said, if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall also quicken your mortal body. I'm preaching to somebody today that the empty tomb gives us the power to be resurrected with Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid, they said. He's not here. He's risen. He's gone. These women were excited. They go back and tell the apostles. They tell them, all about an empty tomb and the Bible said they really didn't believe that. Peter and John took off running and Peter evidently outrun John because he ran up in the tomb first and sure enough, there was no body there but I'll tell you what was there. There was some empty grave clothes. Now we have an empty cross and now we have an empty tomb and now we've got empty grave clothes. You gotta know that in that day they wrapped them up and they put them in grave clothes and, and, and I'm talking about there was no movement. When Jesus came out of the grave, there wasn't an unwrapper there. There wasn't anybody that unwrapped him. He folded his napkin and laid it to the side. His grave clothes laid empty because let me tell you what he did when there was an empty grave clothes. He gave us power to receive eternal life and power to put on a new garment and power, hallelujah, power to know that you don't have to live where you've been living and do what you've been doing. There's a change coming because he gave power through an empty tomb and empty grave clothes. See, the, the empty grave clothes proves that Jesus is alive. How many of you is glad he's alive today? Woo, hallelujah. You talk about a... A God that is alive, that means he hears, that means he feels, that means he, 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 he tastes, that he's alive. All of his faculties are working today. 
And guess what? He's sitting on the throne today smiling because there's people here that have been filled with his spirit and baptized in his name that are going to meet him someday and it's by the power of what he left empty. Hallelujah. I'm glad they didn't leave him on a cross. I'm glad he came off the cross. I'm glad he's not in a tomb. The tomb is empty. Hallelujah. I'm glad he came out of the grave clothes because you know what it did? It released me. It lets me know that I am not serving a God that is alive, that is dead, but is alive forevermore. He said it. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Here's my question to you on Easter Sunday morning. Do you know Jesus? Because he is alive. You see, I know Tiger Woods, but I don't know Tiger Woods. I know Joe Biden, but I don't know Joe Biden. I know the mayor of our town and the senators and the judges. I know people in high places, but some of them I don't really know. You see, it's one thing to say you know somebody, but it's another thing to have a relationship with them. I'm not asking, have you heard about Jesus? I'm asking, do you know him today? Because he's alive on this Sunday morning. He left the cross empty so that you could be saved. He, you don't have to die. You don't have to shed blood. You don't have to. You don't have to feel pain. You don't have to do any of that. Look, could I take you back to the Old Testament just for a moment today? If you went to the priest in the Old Testament to get your sin, they weren't forgiven. All they could do in the Old Testament was push their sins on for another year. If you went to a priest, you know what you'd have to do? You'd have to bring a goat. You'd have to bring a dove. You'd have to bring a bullock. You'd have to bring a lamb. You'd have to bring some kind of sacrifice and the priest would go in and lay it on the altar and say now Lord I want you to take I want you to take these sins of Freddie and push them forward because everything in the Old Testament was pushed toward Calvary nothing was forgiven your sins were just rolled forward go study the book go study the Bible it's there. But but if you went in, that you, I mean, that was all kind of stuff you had to go through just to get the priest to push your sins on. And at one time a year, the high priest would go in to what is called the Holy of Holies, and he would he would offer sacrifice unto the Lord. Now the, the priest, the regular priest, did daily sacrifice, but one time a year, the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and he could push your sins on. Let me tell you, it was quite a deal to make sure your sins were pushed on. But today, you don't have to do that. You know what? You don't even have to come down here. You can do it at home. You can do it riding down the road. You can do it in your pew. You can do it on your job. You can do it wherever you want to. When you come to terms with Jesus and just say to Lord, I'm sorry for the man I've been. 
I'm sorry for the sin I've committed. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. Would you forgive me? I want to tell you no priest is going to have to do it for you because now we have been granted access into the presence of God and he alone is forgiving our sins. Hallelujah. So I don't know some people, but I, I know Jesus. And here's what I want to tell you. You're looking at a pastor today that thanks God for an empty cross and an empty tomb. You know, we wouldn't be having Easter if the tomb wasn't empty. You know that? And furthermore, we wouldn't be having Easter if the grave clothes weren't empty. Because that proved that he was alive. So I don't know about your Jesus today. I got a feeling everybody in this house is on the same page or you wouldn't be worshiping here on Easter Sunday morning. But here's what I will tell you. When you come to the end of your journey, you're going to know the power of an empty cross and the power of an empty tomb and the power of empty grave clothes. So the emptiness of Easter is that those things remain empty so that our heart could be full. Aren't you glad today? That's why we lift our hands and we smile and say, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for all the things you do. I want to thank you. Anybody feel that way today? On Easter Sunday morning. I'm glad I know Jesus today. I'm glad I know him through the power of the Holy Ghost today. I'm not here trying to preach a masterpiece. Here's what I'm here trying to make you understand. You don't have to go without knowing him because he is a God that is very near and he is a God that is very present and he is a God that will be there when you need him most. I've just come to tell you on this Easter Sunday morning, the empty things of Easter don't bring an empty heart. It brings a full heart and a full life. The empty tomb and the empty cross and the empty grave clothes bring a full life to anybody that wants him stand on the house. So thank you for worshiping the resurrected Christ. I was up very early today and the sun began to rise and I thought in my mind, this is when it happened, just about the break of day just about the break of day. Those women went up there giggling and, and thinking or started their journey but when they got to the road to the tomb it became very somber because they, they had lost their laughter and they had lost their, their joy and they had lost their pain and, or, or, or they had gained their pain and lost all the things that they had hope in and all the things that they had believed in and they're thinking we just we just go get his body and take care of his body if we could just do that. <laughs> Can I tell you about his body today? Here's his body, and his body's fine. You don't have to worry about his body because he said, my church is my body. We are the body of Christ. Oh, yeah. And let me tell you, you don't have to worry about it. Church is okay. And the church is going to be okay. But when they got there, here's what they found. Empty crosses, empty tombs, and empty clothes. And a Jesus that was alive. <laughs>
He appeared to the disciples through a door that wouldn't open. He appeared on the road to Emmaus with, with two men that were talking about how terrible the crucifixion was and what they were going to do. He appeared to 500 before he ascended. But let me tell you, that wasn't the end of it. When he left and went to glory, he appeared to the church in the power of the Holy Ghost. And he has not left us without an alive Jesus in our life today. I don't know about you, but on this Sunday, I am more thankful than ever before that I am serving a resurrected Christ. Put your hands together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.